Carville seems like a kind of guy that is. God, uh, I would. I could. I, I think I could sit and listen to him just talk about well, shit he knows. And, and you got to pay attention, otherwise yeah. you're not going to understand shit. Yeah. yeah. Just. Yeah. That. I think maybe a maybe a occasion thing. I'll find something about my. I mean, it's just sex. Yeah. Just it does, it does sex. Maybe maybe occasion thing, but just sex. He didn't. Ha- he didn't have a. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying. He didn't have a erotic thought in his mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then. 80-year-old don't have no business being president. I'm sorry. I don't care who y'all can do that job. Yes. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, and I'm joined by Scott Melson. Hello. What's up, dude? Just the two of us today. All of our it guests is. canceled. We are all in our lonesome. It's a rainy Friday afternoon, and we are excited to be here. I told Scott, uh, I've been excited all week to record today. I don't even know why. I mean, aren't you, are you not excited to record every week? I am, but th- particularly but, but this, this week. week is different. Yeah, and it's been all week. Last night, as you know, I was at the, the uh, um, My Favorite Murder live podcast with all the other murderinos out there, and um, we are not that fancy. No, to say to say the least. Because stay sexy and go vote does not have the same ring to it as stay sexy and don't get murdered. I mean, I think it's a nice catchphrase, but it's a little. We also didn't start our podcasting career on Ellen, so is it Ellen SNL? Uh, they have they've both done done different things. Uh, so my wife, who is an a, a diehard murderino, told me that they. I've only listened to a few episodes, but she said that. On My Favorite Murder, they've said something about fix this several times, and she keeps meaning to like tell me about it or write them a letter or something. We would love to do a crossover really? podcast. Uh, yes, if the My Favorite Murder folks are listening. Georgia, if you're listening, I would love to be on your show. We can talk about political murders. There's there's plenty. Ooh. There's plenty. You know, we had we discussed this via text, our never-ending text string a couple weeks ago, the idea of a true crime political podcast i think there's i think there's room for it would you guys listen give us a shout out if you would listen would you listen to that too or tell us to stop (laughs) well or there's that so scott before we got going today uh we're drinking whiskey as usual but we did try some very old wine that we had oh it was probably three months old at least we both were curious um what'd you take and it was i mean the thing is it was it was a good bottle of wine when we uh when we opened it somehow it never got finished i don't know how that happened it uh yeah, it was. It did. It did. Uh, you could it, peel paint with that shit. It proved the it, it, decrease in engine. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And it it proved that you uh, you can't age wine once the cork is out. No, indeed, <laughs> wine can age well when the cork is in, but once the baby comes out, you're not uh, even. Once not, the baby comes out, it's not. It's not good. It's it not gets good. sour apparently. <laughs> yes, <laughs> doesn't. So this baby uh, smells like vinegar. Stings the nostrils. Stings the nostrils. All right, well, let's... Uh, oh, two quick announcements. I'm going to do these announcements up front. Uh, one, there's a chance I'll get this posted tonight on Friday night, and so you might hear this before Saturday evening. Saturday, tomorrow, on May 4th, we're having our prom, our A Night to Remember. All of you should come. Adult prom. If you're not coming already, um, you should definitely come if you hear this. If you're listening to it after May 4th at 7 p.m., uh, you missed the boat, and it was a rocking time. I'm certain of it. Well, I guess there, next week we'll give an update. There are still tickets available, yes. There are, yes. Let's fix this, okay.org slash prom. Secondly, uh, next week 
on May 8th. Wednesday, May 8th is our next Capital Day, and this is a joint Capital Day with uh, OICA, the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy. It is Child Advocacy Day at the Capitol. We've partnered with them the last two years. Uh, this will be the third year in a row that we're going to partner with them. Super excited. Uh, it's at the Capitol. Go to OICA.org for all the details. You can register on there. Um, there's a lunch. It's free, but there's a requested or suggested donation. The lunch is at the, uh, I don't know what it's called, but the governor's pool house, basically. It's at the governor's mansion next to the Oklahoma-shaped pool. Are you going to be able to cross that item off your bucket list? The jump in the pool? Oh, I thought it was just. Is it a jump? I thought it was just a selfie with the Oklahoma shaped pool. No, I want to be in the pool. I want to have like a pool party. Oh, you should do that. We need to talk to Governor Stitt. Surely, there's some way we can get to. Can we rent the pool? Ooh, fix it. holy fix moly! There's a hey revenue stream for the legislature. <laughs> rent it, it out. Put it into GR. Put it into well, GR. But I wonder if you could rent it out like you can other parts of the Capitol or the governor's mansion. I mean, that's a great question. All right, listeners. I'm going to look into this. If we can reserve the Oklahoma pool for a pool party, I don't have a, my body is not beach ready, but I'll, uh, I'll man the grill. Ooh, there we go. I'll, oh I'll, man, like a cookout. Yeah, dude. I think governor state would be in for this. I think he would actually be into it. I bet, uh, I bet we can get like gov Pennell to join us as well. And oh, you know, he's, he's already in, right? Like, do you think McCall would come? What, what color swimsuit does McCall wear? Surely it's black. Uh, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's a neon green speedo. Please don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm scarred already. He just uh, just strikes me as someone who has like very long like black board shorts. Yes, it's very solemn. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a like Hawaiian style board shorts with like no, yeah, like pine trees. No pa- palm trees. No, no, he's not. Yeah, he's not like uh, not like James Bond in what if Golden he, like, Eye. What if he totally like cuts loose? What if what if speaker like. Shows up to the party and has like aviators and a ball cap and like his hats on backwards. His hats on backwards and drinking a beer. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> I was just welcome do to it. my party. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened to his interview on is that news, well, okay? What you what you have to understand <sighs> is that the, the process for this is it's quite complicated. <laughs> If you haven't watched the uh, or listened to the News OK podcast from two weeks ago, I think when he was on, you should. Um, Just for that. Ben, who I love, needed to ask the speaker politely to scoot back from the mic. <laughs> Just a hair. It was, it was very intimate. Would you say he was right up on it? <laughs> yes. yes, I would. He was right up on it. All right. So uh, on that note, let's, let's get into the news here. So... Uh, we're going to do it a little out of order today, but at this point in the legislative session, we're in May, which is the final month of session. So most bills, Scott, have made it through both well, chambers, most bills. Well, I would say I would say most bills that are going to make it through, right, like if it's going to be signed into law, that's what's the best way to put it. Because we started with almost 3,000 bills, right? So I'd actually say... Right, right. And we're down to 250. So I'd actually say most bills uh, okay. did not make it through. This is a comparative mathematic yes, question. Right? Yes, right. Yes. It's like, so most bills did not make it through, but we have uh, we have, we have have some that are still that are still alive yes. and kicking. Any, yeah. Yeah. The bills are either disposed of or are have largely passed. But now we're down to... Just a couple of things. Um, those the bills that are still alive are either so they've either been passed and signed, they've been 
dismissed or those that are still alive. Well, so there's like there's four things, right? So either it's passed through the process and been signed under law, right? Mm-hmm. It is like dead essentially. For this purposes of this exercise, we're going to ignore zombie bills, right? D E D dead. Right. It's it's so it's it's passed and done and it's through. It's dead and it's not going anywhere. It passed the House, passed the Senate, and is awaiting the governor's signature. Okay. Right. It passed its chamber of origin, went to the other chamber where it was amended. Okay. Those amendments, then they those bills then come back to the chamber of origin. Right. The amendments were rejected, and those bills go to conference. Right. So that's what I was trying right? to say is bills that they haven't agreed on wording for somewhat, and they've got to go to conference yeah. and work that out. Or there's... But they've been vetoed. You didn't say that. That's, That's fine. Veto, veto. Some have passed the process, but then were vetoed by the governor. Yes. And then last but not least, there is JCAB. JCAB. That's it. The Joint Committee on Appropriation and Budget. We. I spent a lot of time this afternoon trying to come up with a witty secondary wording for JCAB, and I didn't really get anything. So the best I can say is I have tried for three years now to understand exactly how JCAB works. And I still don't entirely get it. Mm-hmm. We are we are in the process of arranging someone who understands the intricacies of JCAB to come on the show and Ooh. explain it to us. They were going to be here today and were unable to make it, but I think they may be on the books for next week. It's their mother's birthday. It is their mother's birthday. So Representative Bennett. Yes. Happy birthday to, to mom. Mrs. Bennett. Yes. Um I yeah, so JCAB is a it's a wily beast and it's uh tricky. It's, it's essentially so for there are there are appropriations bills that go through so JCAB is the joint committee on appropriations and budgets. So there are joint meaning people from both chambers. Yes, House and Senate. They are appointed by their leadership. JCAB has I as I understand it, several like kind of sub things too, right? There's like a what? isn't there like a JCAB, like the education like subcommittee and the like or is that just the regular appropriations committee? I think it's just regular so maybe Jacob just one thing. I don't really understand why there are certain bills that go through Jacob and certain bills that don't. I also don't fully understand, like they file all these Jacob shell bills at the beginning of session, right? And it seems to me they can be used for like anything, damn near anything. Which is funny that they file them at the beginning because the leadership, the speaker, and the pro tem can file bills at any point anyway. So like they could just wait and then be like, okay, here's the general appropriations bill, right? So it's a it doesn't. There's there are rules. I think and why, then there's a legislature. Yeah, I think uh, Wiley Beast is probably the best term for JCAB. But we are going to do our best to get uh, Representative Bennett, who sits on JCAB, to come and explain it to yeah, us. Yeah, we need some dedicated JCAB music. Think on that. I was uh, going to play like. What's the most confusing music that you that well, you have? Um, well, I don't have any loaded up right now. But I was thinking something that involved the word money, Pink Floyd, or one of those but i think there are money 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 yeah that one too but i think if you want confusing we could find some kind of strange polka music that's probably a better music right some kind of polka option i don't know polka, i feel like polka is very straightforward what we need is like what we need is like a a fugue some like baroque fugue that has like four different like four different melodies that yeah. then like get stuck right. together right there's that episode on uh, parks and rec where they have their public radio station and they're playing jazz on jazz on jazz. And it's like we play three jazz songs all at the same time. And it just sounds terrible. <laughs> why don't we get uh why don't we get a, a recording of Duke Silver? Duke, Duke Silver oh, can be our well, Duke Silver can be our J Cab music. That's the opposite. Duke Silver <laughs> is the opposite of J Cab. That is indeed a smooth 
illustrious music. It's been 15 minutes. Have we said anything yet? Nothing. Not a, not a <laughs> damn thing. All right. So let's get into, uh, since it is May and it's talking about JCAP, it's officially Budget Watch 2019. We need budget watch music too. We do need budget watch music. All we have is uh, all we have is this. That's all I've got. Um, and so, budget watch. A few years ago, we had this. I did a video every day for like forty something days about the budget. Uh, I'm not going to do it this year. But here's where we're at. Hopefully, this year you won't have to. Hopefully, we may be done. I mean, there's a chance we could be done. Knock on wood, my friend. Knock on. What's wood. What's your prediction? Uh, Sunny die. Yeah, May fifteenth. Well. That okay, so that actually that gets a little bit hard no, because just give I think, me your damn prediction and quit. No, I I am setting parameters. Prediction. I'm pulling an eight silver on you. <laughs> I'm giving. I'm giving. I'm not just going to give you a, a number. So, I think that the house. I think the house will be done mm-hmm. by May 15. I think that signing die will be later because the Senate has lots of confirmations they have to work through. So oh, true. So what I think will happen is that the house the house will stand at ease. Or in recess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at ease. The House will stand in recess. The Senate will keep meeting and doing confirmations. And they'll sign a die, like, I don't know, like May 24th. Really? Yeah. I was going to say the 17th at 5.30 p.m. No, they'll do it. They'll do it. They'll do it earlier than that. I They got to get to happy hour. I, I don't think so. I mean, they could, but... That's a Friday. I think they'll, well, yeah, maybe 16th at 5.30, late on Thursday, not come back. I'll, I'll Let me amend. I'd like to motion to amend to May 16th at 5.30. Denied. Well, suck it, Trebek. <laughs> I'm going to make a note here. Andy, May 16th at 5.30. Scott says. May 24th. Scott, May 24th. All right, we'll we'll visit this in subsequent weeks. Uh, so this week, related to the budget, the Oklahoma House Democrats released their uh, their budget called a brand new state. It's a piece of paper I have here, where I printed it out so we can look at it. Scott, does this budget say much? I mean, I mean, yes and no. Like on the one hand, they've it's it's a on the one hand, it's a nice proposal, right? Like there's. The, these are all things that I would agree with. I think that they're all things that, I mean, for the most part, this is a document that takes a series of proposals that Dems have been advocating for for a long time and kind of like coalesces it into a singular proposal. So they talk about five things. So first, they've got criminal justice reform. So they want uh, to fund district courts. So basically give the district courts $40 million to stop relying on fines and fees. They want to fund DAs to the tune of another $40 million so they can stop relying on fines and fees. They want to provide some money for the pardon and parole board uh, because the pardon and parole board does not have a full, like, like, like they don't have full-time members right now. Uh, they want to give a pay raise for uh, the Departments of Corrections for DOC. They don't say how much. Uh, they would like to give a uh, fund OSBI $2 million for testing backlog rape kits. This is actually, so that, sidebar, that is a huge, huge, huge issue that we have not really talked about on the show. Right. And we could really spend an entire episode going into that, and I think we should in, the, Senator in the future. Floyd. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but so they're going to fund that, and they would like to give uh, $17 million for uh, better defense practices for the accused. So 
Um, that's their criminal justice reform. Um, they would like to, for the rural districts, give $90 million for county roads and bridges, a state employee pay raise, uh, expand the EITC earned income tax credit, uh, which will help families across Oklahoma save about $121 million. They would like to eliminate the capital gains uh, exemption that we've talked about before, but they'd like to provide a uh, agricultural exemption to that. So if your capital gains come from farming um, with certain kind of parameters, that would um, that would uh, not like that would still be exempt. And they would like to expand Medicaid to help out rural hospitals. Education, there's really nothing I feel like new in education. We've talked about $1,200 teacher pay raise, $200 million in the funding formula. I was going to encourage you not to read every bullet point here. Stop it. We're going to stop it. We're going to stop. Stop it. A slew of other options Ah. that you can read at your leisure. Okay. Um, And then healthcare. There are several things in healthcare, but the, the, the big. The big cheese, as it is in healthcare, is um, to bring a billion dollars into healthcare f- home from the feds by expanding Medicaid. So, this is that's that's a a brief ish outline of yeah. what they talk about. All things that I think are like worthy, but all things that many things that I think are there are things there are things in this budget that are already in the works, like the teacher pay raise. And Medicaid expansion to some mm-hmm. degree. There are things that are non-starters, like um, eliminating the capital gains exemption, and a ten thousand dollar bonus to all nationally board certified teachers. Yeah, like there's just like, I mean, it's it's it, like, like I don't feel like there's anything like necessarily bad, but it just no right no I think so. Two things. Well, first of all, we will put um, I I put their proposal on a on a word doc, and it'll be on the. Uh, on the blog post. Um, so listeners, if you want to <clears throat> review this yourself, you can look on Twitter or you can, uh, you can go to our blog for this, uh, this episode. Um, I think here's my beef with budget proposals like this. And we, this is the only one we saw this year aside from like what the governor put out earlier this year. Um, but you know, like two years ago, every Tom, Dick and Harry had a budget proposal. Hell, hell we had one that year with the yeah, we did. SOS coalition. Um, what was different, I will say, about our SOS budget, as I recall, from this is that while this one has some numbers, they're all round numbers, 40 million, 17 million, 121 million, you know, stuff like that, it's some of them also just say fund a state employee pay raise without a budget number to it. I would argue this is not, it's, and, and they say it's a budget proposal, but I would say that, like, I would just love to see an actual, like, put out the full thing like how much if you're going to propose a budget put out all the numbers i just that's i like i like uh completeness i think that's i mean i think that's a reasonable no one would read it yeah right i mean i think and that's the point right like this is like budget proposals like this they are inherently like and they're intended to be they're political documents right like it's that's not true like, it's that's what not this a is. working document. yeah this is something like this is not like this is not meant to be a a model bill this is something to this is something that is essentially a set of talking points that all have to do with the budget which is fine well it's so maybe it's a more budget priorities than it is a budget proposal yeah i think you know they call it brand new they call it the brand new state budget proposal that's brand new state gonna gonna make it great. great uh Yes, um, that's a that's enough of that. Um, no, I think that this is. I mean, I think it's fine. I think that this is a budget that you campaign on 
yeah less than a budget that you like can try to govern oh that's on, interesting particularly when you're have 24 seats in the house and nine seats in the senate and that's, there are no elections this year so i said that to someone today that um that in fact i'll pull up my text message i really feel like i get that the dems just have a hard space right now you know i feel like the democratic caucus in both chambers is so neutered this year by their small size that like they in some ways we talked about this earlier in the session they're unable to really stand for anything their positioning has often been just opposing whatever the republicans propose right like we're we are against you on that the problem is that the republicans have proposed some really reasonable things and the dems are like damn it well i mean that's that's a good idea Right. So you talk here, like, so they talk about funding district courts and district attorneys. So this is something that we're going to talk about in a minute that Governor Stitt has made a priority. Now, I don't know if it's to the tune of $40 million, but it's something that they they want to do, right? Um, Funding county improvements for roads and bridges. I don't know if that's something that the R's are into. $1,200 teacher pay raise plus $200 million in the funding formula. From what you and I are hearing, numbers really close to that are probably going to be in the final budget, right? Like, those are both proposals that are probably going to happen. So... I mean, the $10,000 bonus to National Board Certified Teachers, There's, I, still, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Um, they say fund higher ed for $50 million. I think the numbers we've seen are more like 20 um, but higher ed is going to get some more money this right. year. And then in terms of the healthcare, the big thing is Medicaid funding. So like, there's a lot here that yeah. is already Going. in the process like is already is already happening to some degree right and i think that's the case every year where both parties largely agree on things and and i think many of these things um are similar to what the governor proposed right did this? yeah yeah so um so it stacks up pretty well um the question that i wrote on our on our episode notes is does this does this proposal really matter no negative no and Beca- again because the the party has no power they don't need the Democrats at all to pass a budget. They don't. And I mean, I think, you know, on the one hand, like, I don't want to be overly harsh on the Dems. Like, I think that this... <laughs> no, their small numbers mean they have a uphill battle anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, I, I'm not critical of like, I'm not critical of anything that they've proposed here. I just, is this like, is it newsworthy? No. Like, no, is, but, this, like but is this newsworthy? Again, no, but it comes back to what you said. It's a political document. Why not put this out? Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt anything, really. I don't think no. this hurts the caucus. It doesn't hurt the cause. No. In some ways, maybe it helps. So, yeah. So, from what I've heard, uh, rumor has it that the House and Senate are actually, have already agreed and have have a budget done. Yeah. And they have sent it to the governor's office for review. Now, Scott, what strikes me funny about this is that in years past, historically, the budget is a legislative document that they they pass, and the governor signs it or doesn't, right? It's, it's yes. yes or no. Yeah. And then, and he can line item veto it, or and, the, and they can come back and decide if they want to overturn that veto or whatever, right? But somewhere around, uh, I believe Governor Keating started getting involved in the budget process. He doesn't actually get a, doesn't like the governor is not designed to have like to be on equal footing with the legislature. And yet here we are where the house and Senate have done it. They've sent it to Stitt. I'm sure cause they don't want it to be vetoed. Well, he is designed to be on equal footing with the legislature. Well, but the budget is really like a legislative document that they pass and he either says yes or no, but not involved in the negotiations the same way. I think that's a relatively new thing 
in terms of the whole life of the state. That that's really interesting. I don't know about that. We know, like for instance, that like I mean, I would say at the federal level, that's not the case, right? Well, that's how it's designed at the state level too. Like the federal level, it is designed. I mean, by design, the executive branch is intimately involved in the crafting of the budget because and should be i would say because what you don't want to have right like if you're the house leadership and the senate leadership you don't want the two you don't want the two chambers to spend 3 months crafting a 20 billion dollar budget or whatever the budget for the state of Oklahoma right. is right like if they they appropriate what like 7 yeah. you don't want to spend you don't want to spend 2 or 3 months crafting a 7 billion dollar budget and we're all on the same page and then the governor vetoes it, and oh crap, we don't have you know sixty eight votes in the house and thirty seven right. or whatever it is in the senate. Two thirds, right? Yeah, but there, to, I mean, there's other, the veto, other right? problems and demick and that I think. But it's just funny that it's like okay, we did this, and now they're gonna like pre ask him on that, as opposed to and this is a political statement is just to send him the budget and say, boom, this is what we passed. What do you do? And then it's up to him, and then he. Can either sign it or not, or or line item veto things and and risk being the bad guy in certain issues. Sure, there's also something that's markedly different though this year than has been the case for at least the last four and probably the last eight years. What's that? Who do you think has more political capital right now? Oh, that's a good question. Well, so well, I don't. I honestly don't know. So from what I've heard this week, um, so we I think we talked last week that. And maybe the week prior that the House and Senate weren't getting along, right? That like mom and dad weren't seeing eye to eye on everything. And I hate it when they fight. I know. Well, and, and that's been true. So like like Senator McCourtney, friend of the pod, sent um he had, I don't know, like seven medical marijuana bills that he authored in the Senate. They went to the House and his co chair of the joint working group on medical marijuana, John Eccles, also a friend of the pod, when when he as the floor leader did not he only heard i don't think he heard any of them on the house side so like they're on the same committee mccorney authored these bills some of the house eccles his co-chair was like no and so those well eccles had some bills that didn't get heard in the senate yeah and the speakers like train delay fine bill didn't get heard and all this so like there's a lot of it's just a pissing contest right it, like, i mean it's not it is. about actual issues they're just they get upset about petty things like you didn't hear my bill sure i mean and that's just human nature right but like i also think though Is that it? like right now i mean i think it can be pretty if you're the kind of person that seeks political office like by definition you have an ego right like if you if you this run the, for something the third time i've had this conversation today yeah actually. i mean it's like if you run for something you have an ego right so i would say actually like so I so the kind of way I think about this particular one is two things. One, right now we know from what we hear that there is a substantive a substantive difference between what the legislature wants to do and what the governor wants to do. Well, right? The legislature does ha- the, the legislature has zero interest in taking two hundred million dollars of new revenue and sticking it in the savings account, oh, which right. is one of the things that the governor campaigned on. So right. that's a one that's a that's a significant point of difference between the two branches. In addition to that, I would say that right now, if you were talking about who is more popular, the House and the Senate and their leadership or Governor Stitt, I don't think there's any question. I don't have polling data on this, but I don't think there's any question that Governor Stitt is the more popular political figure, right? right? And also has the bully pulpit, right? So I think if you are the Senate leadership and the House leadership and you guys come to agreement, 
I think that you are very wise to send the governor your budget and yeah. get his input beforehand because I think if the governor, I think it's entirely possible. I think it's entirely possible that if the governor vetoes the budget and says, we are turning around Oklahoma it is time that we tighten our belts. It's time that we put money in our savings account. Right here, right here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's a large segment of the population for whom that sells. Right. And I think that he has political capital, right? If he, if his, if his approval rating, if he does that and his approval rating drops 15 points, I bet he's still plus 50, which is all you need. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? But so, but at the end of the day, the, the political capital matters less than the votes in the chambers, right? Like, there's, there's a chance. And I I can't predict how it would necessarily go down, but they could pass a budget that is reasonable to both sides. He vetoes it, or line items vetoes a few things, more likely, and they come back and just override his veto, and then that sets up the next three years as already contentious. Right. I th- I, w- I would predict. Well, I mean, you can you can do that, but that also comes with the risk itself, right? Do you it's over all. do you override the veto of a governor who is more popular than you are in your own yes. district? Yes, because they're have egos. I mean, I mean, maybe you I, do. I, I would wager, my hunch is, there are people in the legislature who are experienced political people who, who, are, who felt like they, they gave the governor a lot, right? They gave him control sure. of these five agencies, and he, the, the bills that he has vetoed, and I, I may have this on the list for later, but some of the bills that he has vetoed thus far have been bills that would establish boards, commissions, that kind of thing, where he would... It would give him some power, and he said, "We're not going to do that because I want to do it my way." And the legislature is upset or increasingly irritated with him because he is—they feel like he's overstepping his bounds on power. Sure, and sure. so it's funny to me in some ways because they're like, "He's like, I need more power." They're like, "Yeah, here's some power," and he's like, "Yes, but I need more power." And they're like, ah, "Hang on, buddy." So and, uh, I'm gonna tell you a little story, and it's uh, tell us, it's Uncle uh, Scott. It's 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 not exactly analogous, but I think it's similar. There once was a young politician. He was the governor of his state. He was quite popular. He had to resign in disgrace because he lied about a hiking trip. But even <laughs> after that, he ran for Congress and he won. He was quite popular in his congressional district. Then there was a presidential election and a new president took office. And this young congressman disagreed with some of the things that the president did and said and how he did them and said them. And he was very outspoken about that in his disagreements. In 2018, he lost and now he doesn't have a job. Well, I'm sure he has a job somewhere. Well, not an elected office. Okay. No, this happened to Mark Sanford, right? Like Mark Sanford went against president Trump in South Carolina several times on several big issues, went toe to toe President Trump went to his district, campaigned against him, and he lost. Now, again, that's not 100% analogous. Right. But, like, I think that if you are in a district where the governor is significantly popular and you you go to toe-to-toe with the governor uh, against him, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that you might be vulnerable to an electoral challenge. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe state, maybe state politics don't work that way. Well, I, it's, it's reasonable. It's possible, right? But like, I don't know that it's possible. You look perplexed. I do, because I feel like I don't hear myself talking. Is your wiggle the cord? Yes, I hear you talking. Wiggle. Oh, well, maybe you're just speaking so loudly you don't hear it. 
I hear you just fine. You turned me down. I you were yelling into the microphone, and I had to compensate. He turned me down. This is the it's fine. The role. It's Listen, fine. listeners at home don't know this, but I have complete control of our mixer board right here. He does. He's like the governor. I'm like the guy. I he wants power. all the power. He has all the power. I can make it very echoey. It's fortunate he has all the power because I don't know how to work any of the things that he has. I I just wiggle a few knobs. That's what she said. <laughs> I thought it. You said it. I don't know. That's that's my take on this, and I think. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with the vote. I think that I think that ultimately, the, I think there'll be much ado about nothing. I think that the House, the Senate, and the Governor are all going to be in agreement before yeah. anything is finally done. Well, they have to be. Yeah. Um, and I think what's going to happen is that right now, so House allegedly House and Senate have sent the budget to the Governor, and so they could be done next week if he would sign it. My hunch is he will come back with a few things. They'll have to work that out. It'll take. So next week is the fifth through the ninth, right? And so. They'll do that. They'll pass it. Um, as you said, they've got some Senate confirmations to do. I think they'll bump those through next week into the week after, and then they'll be done on the 16th. I can't imagine this takes more than roughly two weeks from yesterday. I think they'll be done. Yeah, I think that's fair. They, I've What I've been hearing is they were saying 16th, 17th, and then they, well, I think they were saying the 10th first, which they never, they always undershoot that, and then. Their their estimates of their end date is like me estimating my golf score. No, I think that they'll I think they'll be done legislating even before you said. Like I think they'll be done legislating by the fourteenth or fifteenth. I think I don't think they're going to be done with confirmations by then. All right. Well, uh, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about criminal justice reform. Ooh, I hit the wrong button. That was a good. I was like, why is there a fanfare? The Kentucky a... Derby is tomorrow. But <laughs> wow, I'm ahead of the game. All right, for real though, a quick break. You know, if people watch this video, they get to see us dance during the interludes. That's sad for them. Speaking of dancing, and tomorrow's prom. Sorry, Bo. I'm, I'm Sorry, Bo. Yeah, I almost texted Bo about coming today, but I didn't. <laughs> there we So that's the end of that. Um, Sorry, Bo. Scott, where are we on criminal justice reform? It's been a big, a big issue this year. Yeah, it really has. So there's been a there's been a lot that has been done. I think that there is a lot still to be done. There's a nice piece in the Tulsa World this week. We'll post it on the blog about um, the governor came out on Wednesday with a criminal justice reform package. Several things that he would like to see yeah. um, in criminal justice reform, like things that need to be done still. This really comes down to um, really four, five, uh, six things so specifically he wants to see a new funding structure for the da's in the court system so which is on the dims budget and everyone agrees right? yeah so like right now essentially the da's and the and the district courts they they receive their funding from fines and fees that are levied against defendants and um what do you call somebody that's been convicted a, a, a defendant Convict. A, i mean i guess could be a felon so def- defendants right people that are in the court yeah. system um there are a lot of folks who think that that's really unfair because it gives DAs and courts an incentive, right? Because they depend on that revenue stream to run their offices. So, uh, Governor Stitt, to his credit, um, feels like this is that's not a good way to not a good way to do business, and he would like to see um, his proposal. Rather, it's a little bit different than the Dems. The Dems want to fund the DAs and the courts and give them forty million dollars a piece. Um, the the package that the governor is talking about would send fines and fees 
to the general revenue fund to be appropriated by the legislature. So DAs and courts would be funded by the legislature, but the fines and fees they collect would go to GR and the legislature would decide how to spend those dollars. It wouldn't be automatic. Gen- so GR meaning general revenue, general revenue fund into the yeah. main fund into that, they, the, that they divvy up into the state's checking account. Um, he's also asking for $10 million um, to uh, really address mental health and help with reintegration. Again, this is something that the Dems are in favor of, of note, uh, Senate Minority Leader uh, Senator Kay Floyd, a Democrat of Oklahoma City, she said ten million. That, that's great, but if we really want to uh, make a difference, it needs to be about forty or fifty million. Um, so she says yes, that's a good proposal, but we need a lot more money. Um, he also would like to uh, enact occupational licensing reform. Yeah. So this is really interesting. So right now, if you are a felon there are many occupations for which you can't be licensed. And what the governor is saying and what I think most lawmakers support is like, let's say that you are convicted on a felony drug, a nonviolent felony drug charge and you are an electrician or maybe you want to be an electrician. You should be able to, once you are out of prison, go through your electrician's apprentice uh, apprenticeship, get your hours, take your test and be licensed as a journeyman electrician even though you have that felony conviction because it'd be right. Like even right. If, like if, if it's a drug offense, maybe you shouldn't be a like licensed pharmacy technician, but why couldn't you be an electrician? Right. Well, and they, the deal is they have like these blanket statements or blanket like bands where it's like, if you got a felon, you can't have any of these jobs when you're like, if your felony was to do with something totally unrelated to your job, like, so they kind of want to, be like, listen, if you were convicted of a crime that is related to this field, okay, then you probably shouldn't have this job. But like, they don't, right. not everything is translatable. Yeah, like if your felony conviction is embezzlement, you probably shouldn't be like uh, like CPA, right? But like, right. but there's other things that you could do potentially. Um, he's also looking at creating expedited processes for commuting sentences of uh, drug possession crimes or any other felony that would now be a misdemeanor because of 780 and related legislation or related uh, changes in the law. He also is uh, wanting to see an expedited process to um, expunge convictions of those that were convicted on drug possession crimes that are now misdemeanors are no longer illegal. This is, so this is one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, state question 780 retroactivity is something that has been, um, you know, a lot of people have been talking about and kind of wondering why that hasn't been done yet. From what I hear, kind of figuring out how this expungement process would work is what there is one of the things that they're working on. Because there's Can one I? there's one camp that says people that are eligible for expungement should have to apply for it. There's another camp that says it should be kind of automatic. And figuring out which one of those we go with is 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 the holdup. I just want to say that expungement is one of my favorite criminal justice related words. It feels like uh, what's the onomatopoeia? Like a word that feels like it sounds right. Onomatopoetically sounds right. I didn't. That's a West Wing quote. Golly, I, I don't. Know, a, I don't know frumpy, but onomatopoetically sounds right. Okay, what episode is that from? So this is the one where they're negotiating the summit in Helsinki with the Russians. Right. Clearly, based on your terrible accent. Yeah. And they want... (laughs) 
screw off. <laughs> and then they, so the Russians, uh, the Russians are asking uh, President Bartlett to wear a coat and gloves. And really? Sam says, we don't want the president to look frumpy. That's right. And he says, right. I don't know frumpy, but onomatopoetically it sounds right. Onomatopoetically. Yeah, and that sounds like a fucking great accent. That's, so you know. that's <laughs> I'm going to have to mark this one as explicit. We've heard <laughs> several times. We're punchy today. All right. Um, Shiznit, where are we? Oh, so... Um, expungement. Expungement. One of the other things that... Um, uh, one of the other articles we'll post on the blog, Scott, is about is the uh, a point of view that's actually from the speaker, the governor, and I think um, no, not the speaker. It's from Eccles, um, Senator David, who's the A and B chair, and the governor. That's about criminal justice reform. And so sometimes you know legislators will like write um, to the paper and they will publish it. And this is what they did Indeed. An about op-ed, this an op ed, an op ed, if you will, and did point of view. Moving on criminal justice reform. So it's good um, to help kind of just fill in your knowledge about this. And then, uh, and then, was that last week? I think last week's episode, maybe this week's episode of Capital Insider, which is the uh, weekly, like, five-minute, it's a podcast. It's also just on the radio for KGOU, which is the NPR affiliate out of Norman uh, with Dick Pryor and Capital Reporter Sean Ashley. You listen to NPR? Yes. Freaking liberal. I don't, you know, I'll be honest. I don't listen as much as I used to because I listen to podcasts all the time. <laughs> I was going to say, I used to listen to NPR all the time and now I just listen to podcasts. I do too. So I, uh, every morning I get up um, and I give the dog a Kong so that he can, um, he can like leave me alone for a few of the, the puppy. And then I walk in the kitchen and I say, uh, I ask my smart speaker, I'll, I'll, omit her name in case it cues any of our listeners devices in their house but i say alexa flash briefing that's i'll just say it okay i said it sorry folks if that screwed up your your machine alexa <laughs> i won't say anything um yeah flash briefing which is really handy and so it it tells me three things one the weather two uh, on this day from history.com what happened on this day it's real quick it's like a two minute thing very interesting every day and then uh three gives me the npr like morning news briefing how does this relate to criminal justice reform it doesn't it's about npr okay it's um is this a service for our listeners scott i think they should know that this is a function their alexa device might have i assume google also does it some kind of flash briefing sure very handy indeed also just as a plug there you can actually ask your smart speaker to play let's pod this i know on alexa it will play um via iHeartRadio. Alexa, <laughs> play Let's Pod This. <laughs> They're already listening to it. It doesn't do any good. Oh, that's true. Unless you want to hear the music again. The theme music. Well, we could do that. There you go. Just oh kidding. God, okay. we're so off the rails. Uh, this is what happens when I get excited to record. <laughs> do you have any? Let's do, do you, all the funny things. Do you have anything else, or can I say the last part of criminal, criminal justice reform? Please proceed. Yes. House Bill 1269, which would allow sentence modification by the courts. This was a measure that was originally backed by Oklahomans for criminal justice reform. So this allows courts to modify felony sentences to misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, um, those, those are the, the six components of the criminal justice reform package that was announced by the governor today. Um, this was met, I think, with like pretty positive reaction on both sides of the aisle. I think yeah. there's a lot of people that want to see this. I think that there are some people that are like, and I think this is a reasonable question, 
why are you coming out with this on May 1st? Like, why wasn't this a press release for, like, February 20th? Right. Why did it take so long to do it? I think, you know, here's my two cents, um, which might cost you a nickel. But I think that the a lot of the criminal justice reforms we all agree are very important, right? Um, but I think on a large part of the electorate, meaning, like, on most folks who don't ever deal with the courts, they don't have any really like awareness of this stuff. And so they don't, they don't care about it in the same way. Like this is the, honestly, if you're listening to this, this is probably the nuts and bolts. Like this is in the weeds of Oklahoma politics, stuff that, that definitely matters to, um, to people, but not like, like my mom doesn't, she's like, Oh, that's important, but it doesn't affect her directly. And I think, this is a, a difficult thing about politics, right? Like, and this is, I don't know, arguably why one of the reasons let's fix this exists is to help inform people about some of this stuff that is deeply important to thousands or millions of Oklahomans, but might not be to everybody. It's not as visible as a teacher pay raise, right? Yeah. And I mean, if so, like if you are any regular middle-class person who maybe doesn't really have involvement with the courts, why should you care about criminal justice reform? I would say because, for one thing, if you're someone who has ever thought, if you're someone who's ever woken up at, you know, 5 a.m. on Christmas morning and it's 25 degrees outside and your furnace doesn't work and you can't find an electrician, right, like, or a, a heat and air tech, like, this potentially, like, affects you because it allows for more people in the marketplace for certain occupations to compete, right? Like it allows for, if you are someone, whoever is like, man, I don't mind paying taxes, but I wish that went to things like public schools and roads and bridges. Well, one of the main places that your tax dollars, tax dollars go in Oklahoma is into the criminal justice system, right? Mm -hmm. A huge chunk of every dollar that you spend in taxes goes to one, one, a big chunk of it goes into the pockets of the shareholders of private prison corporations because that's one of the people, like those are the people that we employ in Oklahoma to run our prisons. But two, um, a big, just a big chunk of that money generally goes into corrections because we incarcerate so many people. Yeah. And the rates of recidivism are so high because we don't adequately rehab folks and we don't treat folks with mental illness and drug addiction. So if you care about how your tax dollars are spent, like this affects you, right? If you are someone who wants to see... Sorry, what you're, you said you were... You were I was going to jump in there. Yeah, do that. I could, you were rolling. That was good, though. I, I agree. I think, in my opinion, I think this matters to regular, everyday folks who maybe don't have involvement with the court system. One, because it's the right thing to do, right? Like, this I mean, there's... there's Humanitarily, <laughs> like, this is the right thing to do. Right, the fact that, Two, these, are, that these are human beings, uh, yes, that's, like, morally is, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's a, there's a moral imperative there. But I think also, too, what you said, it hits on the point that, like... This is our tax dollars. And I I would wager that most taxpayers would prefer their money go to, like, fix the roads than to, than to incarcerate someone because they had too much weed in their pocket. I think that you're right. I think, though, that there is – I think that I think that criminal justice reform and, – and maybe I'm wrong. There's I think there's some polling data that would suggest I'm wrong. I think that when you ask someone – I guess the best experience that I can relate to is what I see like in my office with parents, mm -hmm. right? Like I think that the instinct of many parents when their child does something wrong is to punish them, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people, like you yeah. hear the thing of right, like, well, I got spanked and like it was fine and it worked. And it's like, 
Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Like, I don't know that there's like a study that says the reason you didn't do that thing anymore is because you got spanked. Like maybe, right. it, maybe it was, but like, and sometimes punishment is appropriate, but there's also really, really good evidence-based data that says positive reinforcement is much more effective than negative reinforcement, right? Mm-hmm. It's much easier to teach someone to do the right thing than it is to punish them for doing the wrong thing. You cannot teach, now this is true, you cannot teach negative behavior. You cannot teach a person to not do something. You can only teach them how to do something other else. things, right? Right. And so this is really speaking to me with my dog right now. Right. But I think that there's like, I think that our, our inclination is to, is to lean towards punishment. Yeah. Punishment and punishment. Yeah. It feels right. Right. It satisfies the urge we have for, you know, like revenge or whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like if someone like if, if there's like a murderer that they like shouldn't go to prison. Right. That's not, that's not the point, but we need to place much more emphasis in our criminal justice system on rehabilitation mm-hmm. than on just kind of feeding this like primal urge for yeah i mean punishment i think there are just to like the real the reality that there are other options besides just locking somebody up right like there are other options that might have better outcomes than just like locking right. them up right and it's not just that there are other outcomes there are other outcomes that are demonstrably better yes yes agree all right well we've got uh just about five to ten minutes left so let's um move on to we have, we have at least one bill that doesn't matter at all we do is that the next one yeah uh i think this is a great bill i'm just kidding i don't really care it's one that i'm 100 percent in agreement with the, the governor signs the bill to make the ribeye the state steak of oklahoma it is by far the most flavorful cut of beef in my humble opinion have you tried the impossible burger uh, I haven't. I probably will at some point. We should take a... So they have it at Tucker's. Yeah. We should take a, take the Dealy and go to do a live pod at Tucker's and eat some burgers. I would do that. I have nothing like against the Impossible Burger. However, every like piece of burger meat that like you don't eat is a piece of burger meat that I can eat. Yeah, but so, I will say, again, um, and I'm, I'm probably... You know, sixty-seven percent vegetarian by default. My wife is like closer to ninety percent vegetarian. The Impossible Burger version two is out now for one. And if you haven't listened to it, Scott, you should go listen to the Freakonomics. I think it's Freakonomics, either that or How I Built This about the Impossible Burger. It's fascinating. Also, there's a Freakonomics about bananas that came out recently. And after we re- finish recording, I'm gonna tell you all these facts about bananas. It's amazing. Um, Anyway, the Impossible Burger, it is it is so meat-like that my wife won't eat it because it weirds her out. Because it has the heme, so it's like red and kind of bloody. I've actually, I've heard multiple people say like, like I know multiple vegetarians that won't eat it because it's so like so meaty. Right. <laughs> that's what, that's my nickname in college, meaty. Um, <laughs> Where's the sad trombone sound? Oh, it's right here. There it is. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, and so, but uh, yeah, we should do the live pod at Tucker's. That's a good idea. Yeah. Can we like buy a real burger and an impossible burger and like split them? Oh, yes, we can. Yeah, That's an excellent go. idea. Yeah. Listeners, if you would like to join us for a live podcast at Tucker's sometime in the next month, please uh, email us at podcast at letsfixthisok.org or hit us up on Twitter. God, their shakes are so good. Ooh, they do have uh, a banana pudding shake right now as well. 
Also on Mondays. Mondays are shake days. It's like half price. I don't have lunch. I'm getting hungry. Okay. All right. And so uh, uh, then speaking of vetoes, as we did earlier, Stitt vetoed several bills this week. Hunting. He is, he is like not afraid to wield the veto pen. I think like proportionally he's it's... getting after it. He's vetoed like not, I don't know, a dozen or so out of several hundred that he signed. It's not... I think proportionally it's fine. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like a problem. I'm just like he's... Uh, I think it would be easy... Given his like lack of political mm. experience, you know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, he's uh, yeah, you know, for a guy that never voted, he's uh, he's <laughs> he's he's really solid. Wielding the point. veto, yeah, <laughs> wielding the veto pen. Well, and I, as I said earlier, I from from my observations and what I've heard, a lot of the things he's vetoed are things that he's like, no, I don't want you, I don't want to sign that because I want to do it myself, and he's gonna figure out he can't do everything. For one, he has apparently he has a ton of positions that are not filled right now like you mentioned the senate confirmation they're from what i understand they are like bare bones staff in the governor's office they can barely stay afloat each day well and he made uh we're i think we'll talk about this more maybe next week he made some appointments to the state board of ed Mm. this week that are meeting some opposition that was a weird deal we should talk about that next week i've had some thoughts about that anyway this week um there were like four bills and real quick they one of them was to allow uh, hunting guides on publicly managed land, not necessarily publicly owned land. He vetoed that. Said, nope, can't do that because we don't own the land. Um, they, he vetoed a mechanism to certify new police and firefighter unions. Um, that is not totally unsurprising, disappointing for those folks, of course. Um, there was a veto that I don't totally understand about instructional expenditure. Um, basically, he just said he didn't want to define uh, instructional expenditure in that way because it would differ from the federal definition of instructional expenditure well, that, make, that makes sense and it would m- make it impossible for us to report instructional expenditures in a way that would allow us to meaningfully meaningfully compare uh, our instructional expenditures to other states that's a reasonable thing then i mean this is basically like teachers spending their own money on instru- things for the classroom correct right yeah um and then also he vetoed one. This is probably the biggest and most contentious, and that is um, a, a bill that would allow low-paid state employees. So like right now, if you're a state employee, you can either, in most cases, you can either get overtime or you get um, compensatory time, comp time. And um, many agencies like kind of force you to take comp time, which is what happens uh, in, in my job. Sometimes we, we, we take comp time instead. But in some state jobs... You have to take it as comp time. So if you work, you know, over 40 hours a week, it has to go with comp time. But then they never, you're so overburdened, you never get to, like, actually take time off work to use that comp time. And uh, this bill would change that and basically say, like, you have to pay the lowest paid workers. You have to pay them overtime. Um, and he vetoed that um, for some reasons. He's like, you know, basically, we should we should form a commission and we should look at that and let me fix that. Um, which, again, maybe not the best idea. But... Time will tell. All right, Scott, that brings us to the end of everything. Do you have any final thoughts this week? I'm ready for session to be over. It's we're almost there, man. Hey, is that is that bad? Gotta hold like I usually I'm, I'm not like we even got. I'm not like anti session, but we were in session until like September. Yeah. And then we had elections. What are we gonna do? And this then like year? session started again. And I'm just I'm just like I'm not like I'm not like tired of like prepping for the show, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of things that we can talk about and like 
Yeah. I'm ready to like kind of try and do a deep dive into some different things Ooh. without having to like spend all of our time every week like, well, what did they do or not do it? What did they do mm-hmm. or not do at 23rd and Lincoln this week? Right. Like, yeah. So you know, we've, like, we've talked about this that we've kind of got some ideas for the off season here. Yeah. Like get in, like get in, you know, do some interviews, go on the road, maybe like take, a, take a deep dive into some like aspects of Oklahoma governance that maybe you don't think about, but affect you very deeply. Yeah. You know, county government is so interesting and we like never get to talk about it because we're always talking about the ledge. We even city government, like, and you know, well, Scott, we've even discussed the idea that while we tend to focus and this has kind of been our, our bread and butter is focusing on the state level stuff um, with this will be the first presidential election cycle that we've been around since let's fix this. Yeah. Baby. Well, I mean, we kind of started in 2016, but like not really not the podcast. Yeah. And so, um, we've even talked about trying to interview some of these candidates that are running for president. Right. We're, we're working on some things. Right, we'll see. We'll, we'll ask some folks whether or not they say yes to a, you know, obscure local politics podcast. I've got an email into the white house communications office. Have you already sent it? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask. Obscure local podcast would like to interview President Trump. Listen, if if Trump uh, decides to come on the podcast via phone, we will have at least seven listeners that week. Yes. I guarantee. <laughs> Perhaps even as many as five hundred. Not just the two. So, not the not the nineteen million that my favorite murder gets each Jeez, month. But say nineteen million dollars. You know what we could do with nineteen million dollars a month laugh a lot <laughs> i would also perhaps run a commercial or two um so anyway uh, all right well uh again as a reminder that um tomorrow night is a night to remember a prom for adults it's our spring fundraiser this year we'll probably have a fundraiser this fall as well something involving a, bourbon if you had a terrible time at your prom or you had a great time at your prom or you just skipped it because it was lame you should uh, take you should definitely op- come. You should take this opportunity for either a repeat or a do-over. That's right. We're gonna have uh, all the things you imagined: cheesy photos, um, prom court sashes. Arrived at my house a little while ago. I got the notification. It's gonna be a great time. Uh, snacks, drinks, dancing. Um, I've sent a great playlist of uh, '80s and '90s hits over there. Some 2000s, a wide range. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. If you haven't told your friends about it, please do tell them like, this is a great way to stay involved and at least informed uh, about what happens in your state government. We try to cast a broad net, and I feel like it's helpful. Don't you? We hope so. We hope so. Uh, don't forget to sign up for our email list at letsfixthisok.org. Um, you can also become a member of Let's Fix This, a real fixer. Uh, you get a membership card. And a sticker and a button and all kinds of things. You can do that at our website as well, letsfixthisok.org. And uh, just remember that Let's Fix This is a... Did the music end? I hit the wrong button. Son of a gun. This has never happened before, Scott. Scott's looking at his phone. I hit the intro instead of the outro. Jeez. What's wrong with me? Epic fail. Why are there two buttons? Epic fail. Anyway. Let's just fix this as a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to uh, educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage their government. If that's you, if you're an Oklahoman who wants to engage the government and you'd like outros that don't end, um, hit us up on email podcast at letsfixthisok.org. On Twitter, Scott is at SCMelson. I am at AndyOKC. Or just hit us up on our general account at letsfixthisok.org. 
We will see you next week. We'll be here. <laughs>